to begin this afternoon in 2 Kings chapter 7. 2 Kings chapter 7. <clears throat> Let's notice the first nine verses. 2 Kings 7, beginning with verse 1. Then Elisha said, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, Tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel, and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. Then then a Lord, on whose hand the king leaned, answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? And he said, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but shalt not eat thereof. And there were four leprous men at the entering in of the gate, and they said one to another, Why sit we here until we die? If we say we will enter into the city, then the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit still here, we die also. Now therefore, come and let us fall unto the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we shall live, and if they kill us, we shall but die. And they rose up in the twilight to go unto the camp of the Syrians, and when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp of Syria, behold, there was no man there. For the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. And they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel hath hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. Wherefore they arose and fled in the twilight and left their tents and their horses and their asses and even the camp as it was and fled for their life. And when these lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp, they went into one tent and did eat and drink and carried thence silver and gold and raiment and went and hid it and came again and entered into another tent and carried thence also and went and hid it. Then they said one to another, We do not well. This day is a day of good tidings and we hold our peace. If we tarry till the morning light, some mischief will come upon us. Now therefore come that we may go and tell the king's household. Now the background to Second Kings 7 begins in chapter 6, verse 24. Up until that time, the Assyrian attacks on Israel had been made with smaller bands of soldiers and they'd used guerrilla-type tactics to terrorize the Israelites. Then King Ben-Hadad had... Uh, besieged Samaria, which resulted in a severe food shortage. He besieged the city. He didn't allow comings or goings. And eventually, they had run out of the necessities and the staples of life. In fact, the worst sorts of foods were selling for exorbitant prices. If one wanted to buy a donkey head, they could do that at a cost of 80 pieces of silver. And if you couldn't afford a, the head of a donkey... You could buy a cab that was the smallest uh, dry measure of dove's dung for five pieces of silver, Second Kings 6.25. So, starvation was so severe that the people would try to eat the head of an unclean animal, of which was the most inedible part of an animal, or... They would go about trying to collect the dung of animals and try to eat that. But it was even worse. It was recorded 
that a woman had cried out to the king who was passing by upon the city wall and had begged for his aid because she had made a deal with another woman that they would eat each other's children and that she had offered her child and they had eaten her baby and the other woman had hidden her child so that it could be saved. And she wanted the king to come to her aid, Second Kings 6, 26 through 29. That's how bad it had gotten. Well, it seems that Elijah had talked to the king and had advised the king not to give up the city to the siege and that God would come to their aid if they would but humble themselves before him. And it appears that the king had thought that he and the people had done what they were supposed to have done, and yet nothing had happened. And so he flew into a mad rage after discovering the depths to which the people were going to sustain themselves. And, and he commanded that Elijah, or, uh, that Elisha were to be beheaded that very day. Well, of course, coming to his senses, he called off the murder of Elisha and Elisha again prophesied of coming events and instead of a donkey head and instead of a cab of doves dung, he prophesied about the purchasing of flour and barley for a small sum of money. And then one of the king's advisors began to mock Elisha and said, yeah, well, that might happen if God would put windows in heaven and allowed that barley and that flour to fall out. And not only had he mocked God's man and his spokesperson, but he had mocked God himself. And so Elisha said, you'll see it happen, but you won't get to partake of it. Well, that brings the reader to four men. Four men who suffered from leprosy. They suffered from leprosy, and in addition to that, they were starving to death, and so they discussed amongst themselves the plight and which they had found themselves, and they reasoned that it would be better to enter into the camp of the Syrians and face the possibility of being killed, because after all, they were going to die anyway, and they might just survive, and it would be better off to be prisoners of the Syrians than just to sit there at the gate, because there weren't wasn't any food on the inside of the city, and there certainly wasn't any food to be thrown over the walls. So imagine the joy and the surprise of those starving lepers when they walked into the camp of the Syrians, and there were no Syrians there. There was nothing but food and treasures and raiment. And so I want the focus of the sermon this afternoon to not be on the fact that There was food and there was treasure and there was raiment. But I want us to talk for a few moments on the reaction. The reaction of those four leprous men when they discovered the greatest news up to that time in their lives. And so the title of the sermon this afternoon is All for Ourselves. All for Ourselves. And let's begin with their delight. Their delight. After having discovered all the food and the treasures in the camp, the lepers delighted in their refreshments. They sat down and they began to eat and they ate until they were full. Now let's make some application here regarding those lepers to our lives today. Often the Bible does use leprosy. And it uses leprosy to represent sin. And these four men who were outcasts from God's people 
And they suffered from this incurable disease called leprosy. And those four men are representative of anyone who might be outside of Christ. They could be anyone in the world. And anyone who is outside of Christ could be represented as someone who is leprous. Because that's an incurable disease unless you find exactly the person who can cure you. And of course that's Jesus. Ephesians 1 chapter 3. When they went into the camp, they were dying of starvation. But when evening came, they had more than they could have ever eaten in, in all of their lives. They had more food, they had more treasure, they had more raiment, and they had more of everything than they ever had hoped that they could have ever had. And they wanted that food. But one of the, the greatest blessings that God gives to us is the result of hungering and thirsting after righteousness, Matthew 5, verse 6. When we talk about the great blessings, that comes from that hungering and thirsting, and they wanted that food, right? We recall when Jesus sat at the well and He talked to that lady from Samaria, He invited that woman, uh, and He offered her something. He offered her some water. And He offered her some water that would allow her to never thirst again. And she said, oh, I want that. Give me that water. But she wanted the water that she would never have to come back to that particular well, right? She wouldn't have to come and draw water for herself or for her animals anymore. John 4, verse 10. But he offered her the waters of life. She wasn't really understanding that. And then we notice what Job said, and we, we talk about the things that Job esteemed above all other things. You see, Job was a man who valued the words of God. He was a man, and he was a very rich man, physically speaking as well, wasn't he? He was the richest man of the East, but he valued things from God above all other things. Notice what it says in Job 23, verse 12. He esteemed the words of God more than his necessary food. See, that's what the Christian is supposed to do. The Christian is to hunger and to thirst after righteousness. And so if we're going to look and we're going to make application, these leprous men, they were looking for something. Well, first of all, they were starving to death. They needed to fix that first, right? When, uh, when you look at the very necessities of life, and I've heard it put this way several times, if you don't have air, you're not worried about water. Right? You got to first, you want water, you want air. Well, if you have air, your very first next thing is water. If you don't have water, you don't care about food. If you don't have food, you don't care about clothing. But the first three things that you have to have in life is air, food, water, and then food. Right? That's above anything else. And then you have to have shelter. Period. Those are the four things in life. And so you have these men who are leprous, and they're sitting there, and they have to have sustenance. They have to have that. They're sitting outside the gate, and they say, look, we're dying. What's the worst that the Syrians can do to us? Kill us? We're dying anyway. So let's go into the camp. What are they going to do? Kill us? They might not. That's better than sitting here. And so they go in and they are hungering and they are thirsting. They wanted that food. They had a problem, right? And they were looking for the cure. They found a blessing. 
Christians have a problem, or people of the world have a problem. They have to hunger and thirst to find the cure. See, that's one of the applications. See, we must delight in the refreshment found only in Jesus. And when one does that, he will never hunger and thirst again, Revelation 7, verse 16. The lepers also delighted in their newfound riches. They had refreshment, they had riches. And they found that. They were poor, they were dirty, and they lived off of the garbage that others threw out to them. Now think about the life of a leper. But now think about the life of a sinner. On what does a sinner live? Well, they may not realize it, but a sinner lives lives off of the garbage and the trash that is thrown out by the world. That's that's what a that's what a sinner lives on. They may not realize it at the time, but these lepers were outcasts. They had absolutely no hope in life. Think about the hope they had. Well, let's move into the enemy's camp. After all, what's the worst they can do? Kill us? That's a pretty bad situation to be in, isn't it? We're dying anyway. Let's go ahead and move on into the enemy camp. No hope is a terrible thing, and that's what they faced every single day in their lives. But how different is that from those who live ignoring the commandments of God? There is no hope, even if they don't realize it. Even if they don't realize it. People outside of Christ have no hope. Notice what Paul told the Ephesians, Ephesians 2, 11 through 12. Wherefore, remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision, but that which is called the circumcision in the flesh, made by hands, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were afar off, or made nigh by the blood of Christ, when they found an empty camp, they discovered more riches than they could have ever had, than they could have ever imagined. Now remember, they were lost to leprosy. They were lost. They would have never had that. They lived off the scraps that people threw to them. Anything they had in this life, the clothes they wore, people gave to them. The food they ate, people gave to them. When one is lost to sin, he may not even realize what he is lacking in this life and he has to be told. He has to be shown. He may not even realize what he's missing. The Christian has much more than monetary value in this life. He has God. He has His presence. He has His provision. He has His power. He has His promises. They began that day starving. They began that day hopeless And they began that day dressed in rags. Now notice how they ended their day. That evening they were dressed in the finest robes of the Syrian army. The one who comes to Christ trades in the rags of sin for the robes of Christ. Isn't that wonderful? Anyone can do it. Everyone has the opportunity. Notice what Isaiah said, Isaiah 64 verse 6. But we are all as an unclean thing. And all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf. 
and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. But John recorded in the Revelation, Revelation 19 verse 7, Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to Him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and His wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. That's done because of the blood of Jesus. Upon instituting the Lord's Supper, Matthew chapter 26, He said, This is my blood which is given for the remission of sins. John described Him as the Lamb that takes away the sin of the world. What a wonderful thing. Those lepers delighted in their newfound refreshment and riches, but their journey was not complete. It had just really started. They soon were faced with a dilemma. That's our second point. They were so caught up in their fortune, their newfound fortune, that they forgot all about the people who were still over in the city behind those walls. Remember, those who were still buying a donkey head, those who couldn't afford the donkey head were buying uh, dove's dung, and they realized they were worse off than those in the city before, but now they were better. They were better off. Those who were stuck back in the city didn't know about the new things that they had found, the new blessings they had received. So what they came to realize that they were hoarding up all these new things. Remember, they had gone into the tents, they would gathered up these treasures, these blessings, and they went and hit them. They would gone back into another tent, found more, gathered up treasures and blessings and went and hid them. Kind of reminds us of the, the talents, right? You had those uh, talented, uh, those servants who were given five talents and one given two talents and the, the one given the one talent. Well, the five talent servant went out and made five more. The two talent servant went out and made uh, two more talents. And then the one talent servant, he went and dug a hole in the ground and hid his one talent and didn't do anything with it. He hid it. Well, that's kind of what these uh, these lepers were doing. They weren't doing anything with their blessings, right? They they were just not sharing what they had with those who were in far worse shape. So I think their statement that they made in 2 Kings 7, 9, we do not well. This day is a day of good tidings and we hold our peace. I think it's important for Christians to understand the blessing of salvation. It's not given to any any person to to be hidden, to be wrapped in a napkin and placed on a shelf. God has blessed and saved those that they might bless and save others, right? I think if we keep it all to ourselves, we do not well. Notice what Paul asked. Let's turn over to Romans chapter 10, beginning with verse 13. He asked an important question. He said, For whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Now notice again, the statement of the lepers. We do not well. This day is a day of good tidings. And we hold our peace. 
How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. See, they realized those blessings were not just for themselves. It was a day of glad tidings. And others needed what they had. And they needed to share those blessings. So they were in this dilemma. Then we see the resolve born out of it. They would tell the others that they had found these great blessings. They wanted someone else to to be helped like they were helped. But that's what's supposed to happen, isn't it? That's what's supposed to happen. God blesses one person and then that blessing is supposed to move on to the next. And then to the next. When we look at Matthew chapter 28, we call that the, the Great Commission. And Jesus came unto them said, All authority has been given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Well, that's a circular commandment, isn't it? Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Well, what did he just teach? Go into all the world. Teach every nation. Teach every creature. We had Mark 16 in with that. And so that's a circular commandment. That just keeps on going. Keeps on going, right? And that's exactly what Andrew did when he found the Messiah. John 1.41 He went and found his brother. What did his brother do? Well, along with Andrew and, and the other apostles on, on the day of Pentecost, they stood up in Acts chapter 2 and they preached the first gospel sermon. About 3,000 were added to the church that day. They explained how one could be saved from the sins of the world. Right? The church was established. And then it just kept going and kept going and kept going. I love Acts chapter 2 verses 40 through 41. And then with many other words did he testify and exhort saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received His word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Can you imagine having 3,000 people walk down the aisle, come right up to Solomon's porch, right there by the temple, and want to go down to the, to the pool of Shalom, and, and maybe even up to the northern part of the city, and, and be immersed in water for the forgiveness. Can you imagine the sight? Those four lepers delighted in the blessings they discovered. They were faced with a dilemma. Now I want us to notice some things about their decision. This is our third and our last point. To do what they had, what they did, took a lot of courage, number one. It took courage to do what they did. They had to approach the city gates. They were outcasts. People didn't want them in the city. They didn't want to be around them. They were leprous. They may have faced death and certain rejection, but they did what they did. It takes courage to share the message of Jesus Christ. Now, in this country, we're not going to face death, at least not now, but we're likely to face rejection. But we still have to do what we, what we have to do. It seems most people are not interested, but that's okay. We still do a good work when we plant the seed. We're not sent out to baptize the world. That's what Paul said. God didn't send him to baptize people. He sent him to preach the gospel. It's up to people to obey the gospel. Then we'll baptize them. We'll help them obey the gospel, right? 
We plant the seed. God will give the increase. It may take a while. It may take a while. We're seeing it in action right now. But we plant the seed. God will give the increase. Jesus warned there would be only a few who would follow the straight path to heaven, Matthew chapter 7. But we still plant the seed, Matthew 28. Those very facts destroy this idea of eternal selection. Right? Eternal election. Not true. That's why we plant the seed. That's why we plant the seed. Let's not be discouraged in well-doing. Peter warned Christians, make your calling and election sure, 2 Peter 1.10. Making our calling and election sure is, part of that is sowing the seed. And we do that by telling others about Christ. How else are they going to be called by the gospel, 2 Thessalonians 2.14, right? Those on the inside of the city walls, they didn't want to listen to the lepers at first. They had a choice whether to, to listen or not. All the lepers did was take the, the, the news of good tidings, right? That was their job. No one was going to make them leave the city and find salvation in the Syrian camp. All they had to do was take the news. Secondly, their decision took courage, but it took compassion. Do you think those lepers were always treated well by those people on the inside of those walls? They threw out garbage to them to eat, give them the leftovers, Gave them rags to wear. Probably not a whole lot of people particularly. We're talking about the northern kingdom. They had wicked, evil kings. They behaved like their kings. They didn't treat people well. I'm sure they were mistreated. Now, let's think about the compassion Jesus had. He's our greatest example, right? He came to the world. He was mistreated. He was maligned. Ultimately, He was murdered. But He endured because of His great compassion for lost souls. We ought to emulate that. That's why we continue to do what we do. We sow the seed. But God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, Romans 5.8. These four lepers are great examples of compassion. But Jesus is the greatest example of compassion. Instead of rejoicing that the people in the city were getting what they deserved, these four lepers said, we're not doing what we ought to do. If we wait till tomorrow, something terrible will happen to us. We have to go right now and tell the people what we found. Instead of gloating over Naaman having leprosy, that young slave girl, she went and told Naaman where he could go to find a cure for his leprosy, 2 Kings chapter 5. They had compassion for the people in the city. Now notice that first their message was met with skepticism. The people didn't believe them. We found a great treasure. Sure you have. Go away. You're four lepers. Get out of here. But eventually they were believed and a nation was saved. Because four men refused to keep it for themselves, a multitude was saved. What an example. When we reach out to those around us with the message of the gospel, listen, some will listen. Some will listen to what we have to say. How much ever we spend, how much ever effort we put out, it will be worth it if some will listen. Maybe none will listen. It doesn't take our obligation away. 
What if none of the people in the city of the northern kingdom had listened? Were those men still obligated to go tell the news? Absolutely. That would not have affected the, the Messianic lineage, would it? If that whole northern, if that whole northern uh, nation had starved out, the Lord would have still come. would not have affected anything. But those men did the right thing. And those four lepers found the blessings of life. Are we keeping it for ourselves? We may not even realize we are, if we are. We'll have to reach out. We need to think about it. This lesson has been preserved for our learning, Romans 15.4. We don't often think about the four lepers who found a treasure trove of blessings in the Syrian camp. May we never keep it for ourselves. And if we are... Let's start today by sharing our lessons. If you have a need to answer the Lord's invitation, if you need to come back to Him through repentance and prayer to return back to the light, let that be known as we stand and as we sing.